Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. And we're back, folks, another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider on the heels of a convincing victory by the Michigan Wolverines dispatching of Michigan State. Really a wire-to-wire performance from Michigan, but for an initial salvo for Michigan State where they had an early lead. I believe it was 11-9, to 14-nothing run after that. Turn the game in Michigan's favor, and the Wolverines never look back. Joining me to break that game down, as well as the one before it, a, a bombardment by Illinois, is a man who wore the uniform, played at a high level for the maize and blue uh, in the early 80s before be, becoming a first-round draft pick, playing in the NBA for a decade, and then going off into his broadcast career where he's one of the best basketball commentators in the land. And, of course, he's... My guy, my friend, Tim McCormick. Timmy Mack, how are you, my friend? I am so good today, Sam. It's, it's really great to talk to you. I'm filled with pride um, on a lot of different levels. The, the team's improved so much. And when you consider that eight of the ten guys that, that really play, they're freshmen or sophomores or newcomers. And and I, um, I just, I, I'm just overwhelmed with how well Hunter played. And he is one of the truly best centers in Michigan basketball history. What he did to Michigan State's five big guys, it just it wasn't even fair. He annihilated them, 13 for 19 from the field. Um, I'd say that half of his buckets were dunks. And the growth and the maturity, the passion and the drop steps and the dunks and the yelling after dunks. Look, I'm not into – taunting and pointing your finger at the the opponent's bench but to be honest Sam I was okay with it last night like it, it felt it, it felt kind of right because that's who he is he gets excited and I think that he didn't want to be little Michigan State but he was pumping himself up and when the leader acts like that everybody else is going to pick it up too and so um I I just I I'm very proud of him I saw him in high school I watched every minute of his college career and trying to put it in perspective, Sam, I've been watching Michigan basketball for 45 years. I, I say Phil Hubbard, Roy Tarpley, Chris Weber, Juwan Howard, Hunter Dickinson. Best big man I've seen. Like, I don't think that's hyperbole. I, I say without hesitation, Hunter Dickinson's on my list. He's only a sophomore. Like, right. he's going to get better and better. And, and, and the other thing is he can beat you in a lot of different ways. He can beat you with his passing. Cause I think I was probably going to double up based on what they saw. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I also, one of the things you and I've talked about a lot, how smart is he now with his fouls, mm-hmm. right? Like, like he, he's starting the game as you and I suggested, like he's already got one foul. Don't get that second one. So you have to sit. I, I'm pretty excited about what, Hunter Dickinson's been doing, and and kudos to him. Yeah, I thought last night's effort 
on the heels of uh, two things, two factors sort of played into that performance. First, and we'll get into this, the Illinois game. I mean, I Hunter will tell you he got outplayed by Kofi in that game, right? I mean, it, dominate. It, yeah, in a con- yeah. in a game where they were on fire from deep. I mean, you know, Plummer came out and it's like, who is this guy in <laughs> all these threes, right? And then in the second half, it, it it sort of is the tale of two cities. Now they're getting things going to the basket, especially Corbello was very adept at getting to the rim. Felt like Trent Frazier, even though he had a big three late, he was effective at getting to the rim. But that equation was balanced. I mean, Caleb Houston was really good, right? Uh, Devontae Jones, his best game as a Wolverine. You had enough on the perimeter to balance what they were getting from the perimeter. If you want to just look at the raw numbers, the difference in the game was Kofi versus was Kofi versus uh, Hunter. And so you know Hunter had to take that personally coming off of that game. The other thing he had to take personally, Tim, was you look back at that Michigan State game up in East Lansing when you both he and Musa were going off in the first half. Michigan State sort of clamped down in the second half. They did a better job on Michigan's two-man game, and they did a really good job one-on-one defensively in the post. And neither guy could really take advantage of that. You know Hunter had to say to himself, if they decide they want to play me one-on-one again, I'm going to take them to the woodshed. And he did that last night. There were a lot of things that Michigan did well yesterday. And um, I'm going to continue to praise – Martelli. I mean, I, I I really like a lot of what he does. He plays the guys that are productive big minutes. Like, like you don't want to be on his bench because you're not going to play a lot. Um, I love the fact that he's got an NBA mentality that if you've got a guy that's getting buckets, you keep going to him. You know, if you score, you're going to get it again and again and again. Um, the other thing that was really good is I loved the pick-and-roll defense by Michigan last night. Uh, we were both puzzled at the Breslin why they 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 were hedging with Musa and Hunter 30 feet from the basket. And we both know that Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard, they're not shooters. And and if you, if you isolate Musa and Hunter one-on-one, you're going to get hurt. And yesterday... Michigan's guards went under the screen, and that was the biggest key to the whole victory. Um, when I watch a game like last night and I can learn something, I get excited by that. And after Illinois, you probably heard this too, when Phil Martelli was saying that it seemed – I think this is his terminology, Sam. He said, I felt like we were chasing the action the whole night. I didn't really know what he meant. By that until I watched last night. Um, last night, what they did is the guards were sprinting under the screen. And when Michigan State's guards went over the screen, Michigan's defenders were there waiting. Like, I got you still. Like, this, it didn't work. You can send another screen. I'm going to sprint under it again. And and I, I just I thought that it was um, great positional defense, really good game plan. But the energy level was so darn good. Um, and regarding the energy level, when I watched Illinois, I was perplexed from the very beginning. The crowd seemed dead. I know the students aren't there. But Michigan's bench, you know, the, like the 10th through 15th guy, they weren't into it. And, and I think that you can read 
an entire team based on 10 through 15. Last night, they were they were going crazy. They were having so much fun. And I think that in college basketball, that is such an underrated key. Um, those guys got Michigan's players ready to go. And then once the game starts, they were fully engaged. Yeah, tone setting. Uh, you, you can look at plays, energy, uh, a shot falling. I think all of those things. So, so the bench set a really strong tone early. Hunter set a really good tone early with the way that he came out again. They felt like, and Izzo said, hey, man, with his actions, he said, we can run four guys at him, and if one isn't guarding him well, we're going to go to the next one. And Marcus Bingham did a good job up in East Lansing. We're going to run Marcus Bingham at him. And, man, Hunter did it to Marcus Bingham on both ends of the floor. You know, backed yeah. him down, <laughs> blocked his shot yeah. on the other end. You knew it was going to be a long day for them at that point. Right, so he set a tone. And then we got to talk about Caleb Houston as well. I mean, really the last three games, Tim, Rutgers, and even though Michigan lost to Illinois, that was a good offensive outing for them as a team, Hunter obviously being the, the exception to that rule in that game. But Caleb Houston, when his first shot goes down, that sets a tone for him, right? And, and not only that, not only that, it's not the only thing that's setting a tone for him of late, his aggression – going to the rim he seems like he's more confident he has a plan and he knows if he gets to the free throw line tim he's going to knock it down i mean the one blemish on caleb houston's uh game last night and it was a minor one he missed the free throw and that stands out for a guy who had hit 22 straight up to that point that young man is playing some good basketball right now i'm i'm with you and, and he seemed like he's figured it out and now he's Michigan's second-best perimeter player. Look, love Eli, love Devontae. They're doing a good job. Right now, Caleb is their guy on the perimeter. And, and I, I picked up his numbers here. Listen to this. Rutgers, 21 points, 5 of 9 from 3. Illinois, 21 points, 2 of 3 from 3. Made all seven of his free throws that game. Against Michigan State, 16 for 16, 100% from 3. He's finally looking completely comfortable out there. And and I um I, I think he's gonna be one of the Big Ten's most improved players. His defense is no longer a big issue. Now, if he's got to cover guards, he's always gonna be in a tough position. But I, I am I'm so impressed. And I was thinking, Michigan has two of the five all freshman team guys. W would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, Tim. I would agree with that. Yeah, I um, I, I was looking at the best freshman that I've seen this year. Um, so Bryce McGowan from Nebraska, I think he's probably the freshman of the year. Is, is that legit? Mm -hmm. Nebraska, legit. probably first-round draft pick in the NBA. Um, then I would have, without question, Caleb Houston's number two. And then number three is Musa Diabate. And then... I like Malachi Branham from Ohio State. I think he's really good. And then Max Christie from Michigan State. Those are the five best freshmen. I know that that right now with the shot that he made last night to beat the the um, the favor in the Big Ten, Chucky Hepburn from Wisconsin, um, he, he would get some votes too, but but not quite at the level of those first five. So Michigan has two of the best five. And when I look at mock drafts and things. We'll talk about this a little bit later. They may come back again for year two. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, especially with, and we'll talk about this, the the role that NIL could play in those kinds of decisions. So that that is something to, to really um, keep an eye on moving forward, even with some older guys who, if they are not showing up on first-round draft boards and maybe it's iffy with them in, in the second round, they might choose to come back uh, if there's a, a lucrative NIL deal that can entice them to do so, that can make that uh, that much more appealing. But, again, you look at the, the total team effort from Michigan last night. So, Devontae Jones gets two early fouls, and this is coming off his best game as a Wolverine. I mean, I thought he was tremendous mm-hmm. against Illinois, right? I mean, he was doing his thing. He had the <laughs> mid-range going. He had the, he had the setup game. He was really doing a good job of finding other guys, a really balanced floor game. He comes out and gets two early fouls. Like, oh, man, what – what are they going to do? Frankie Collins gets in the game, Tim. He doesn't score any points, but something stuck out to me. He said Frankie's Frankie's playing with his head up tonight. He is <laughs> so fast. He is so explosive that a lot of times he's like a bull in the china shop. He, you know, he gets that he rocks that dribble, dips his head down, he's going to the rim with some abandon. He was dribbling to the rim with his head up. I all his all four of his assists were dimes to me, where he drew the defense, dropped it off a couple times for just wide open opportunities in front of the rim for guys. Even though he didn't score a point, I thought Frankie Collins gave them some quality minutes last night. Yeah, it was A-plus for a scoreless 14 minutes. And I remember earlier this year when we talked about his, his early minutes, he looked overmatched. He looked like the game was just a little bit too quick for him. And that's saying something because he's so darn quick. Um, but, you know, when we think about the point guard position at Michigan next year, how does that look? Like, is Frankie Collins good enough to win a Big Ten championship as your lead point guard? Um, is Doug McDaniel going to be so advanced that he can step in as a freshman and contribute? Does Michigan have to hit the transfer portal again and, and find another point guard that's been around for a while? That's always a possibility. And then the other thing that I think is is a really good question, does Devontae Jones have one more year? I think he does. What would happen if Juwan said, hey, you want to, you want to hang with me one more year? I, I, I think I, I'd love to have him back. Do you know anything about his status for next season? So if, I, if come back? I, it would be a total guess. I have not heard anything to suggest that that's something that he's – contemplating you know he looked very very hard at trying to make the jump this year he was impressive at the g league camp i mean he he turned some heads did he have a good good enough season to boost his stock would be the question and 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 weighing that against what nba you know this better than me i mean it just feels like nba exec gms they sort of look at guys age and once they get to a certain point uh if they're still playing in college i wonder if that that's held against them if if maybe frankie might look at it like hey you know i've i've played at a high d1 level uh i'm a certain age now it's time to to get paid for my development or i could i could i could hasten my development by working on my game full time at a, at a in a developmental league or, or maybe overseas or something like that i I'm just throwing things out there because I, I honestly have not heard anything to suggest that that's something that he's looking at. But, you know, Michigan, I mean, 
with Jawan welcoming back, I'd be shocked if he were like, nah, Frankie, we don't have space. I think absolutely he'd be like, yeah, we want you back. Well, when you think about it, he played three years at Coastal Carolina, right? So that means that his last year, his junior year, was during the COVID year. Mm -hmm. And then he transferred this season. He didn't have a red shirt. He didn't sit out there. Right. So I think he would come back. And I um, I went on the, the mock drafts today, and some people may say, well, it's just some guy sitting in his basement writing out a draft. <laughs> Um, I, I don't th think some of the legit ones, that's true. When you look at ESPN and Bleacher Report, they've got, they've got real legit sources. They're talking to NBA GMs, and they're studying this. So I look today, and Hunter Dickinson's name is on nobody's draft list, yep. first or second round. Yep. Musa Diabati, this surprised me a little bit. Um, he's on nobody's first or second round right now. Um, I think that people are saying, well, with that length and athleticism and motor, how come he's not rebounding more? How come he's not blocking shots? I think that'll come, but that's what the critics would say. And and only one spot did I see Caleb Houston mid-second round. A couple, he wasn't listed at all. I can promise you Devontae Jones isn't on anybody's draft radar. So, Sam, what happens if all four of those guys return next year and then you add – the, the freshman to this class, what what does next year look like to you? Yeah, man, it, it'd be really, really interesting to to see. Um, you know, again, the thing that I look at with Devontae is I just wonder from an age perspective if, if teams will start to look at that. I mean, you know, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he turns 24 this year. Uh, I have to look at I, I I haven't looked at his bio in a minute, but I just wonder how NBA teams look at that, uh, and I wonder. I, I don't look at him as an NBA guy, though. Yeah, like I, I, I can I can I can see him like Derek Walton, where he's going to play in a lot of places, and he's he's going to be reliable, and he's he's always going to be knocking on the door, but may not get that answer. And I, I think he's probably going to be more of an international guard, right? And so then the question for for him becomes. Is it valuable to you to come back another year, grow your profile? Uh, do you feel like you could grow it as much at Michigan as you would playing overseas? And I think in the day and age of NIL, it's, it's possible to say, yes, you can grow yourself financially. Uh, and then another year with this group, especially if everyone comes back and you have a, a big run and your profile is, is is your visibility about you is raised. Maybe if not the NBA, it certainly uh, enhances your appeal uh, from a developmental standpoint, de developmental league. I, these are things to for for him to consider. But I think NIL is is really the this this new element in the equation, if you will. It wasn't one for for uh, for Musa initially because I remember when Michigan was recruiting. Uh, Yuan Treor, and you know they he's he's looking at Memphis, he's looking at these different schools, and you're wondering are they throwing NIL opportunities at them that might enhance their appeal versus Michigan? And then as I dug into it, I found out well he is a he's a foreign guy, and there there are some limitations visa wise that would prevent them from taking advantage of NIL. It's like man, so if that if that's the case for Yuan, and that's the case for Musa, right? So Musa can't take advantage of, of yeah. NIL. And, and so, 
you're you're right you're right and maybe because moose has been here a while i don't know well we'll dive into that well but see but then, but then there was this this development with the the kid from kentucky whose name i can't i can't pronounce his last name to him but oscar oscar yeah oscar shreeway so look they it, it just came out that he could he was able to sign or he can sign an nil deal there's a uh i guess there's an interpretation that allows for that to happen now that the visa limitations are no longer uh, in effect and so that if you're musa diabate well now now if you have the opportunity to take advantage of nil and you aren't necessarily a surefire first round pick maybe that increases the appeal for you to come back right so i just think again i think the nil opportunities even for hunter i mean if you're hunter dickinson and they are they're saying you're not a surefire first round pick and you uh, you ha are having this big year and you come back and have an even bigger year and even uh, an even bigger year still in nil wouldn't you consider coming back tim I would. And also, you need to learn Oscar Shibwe's name because he may be the National College Player <laughs> of the Year this season. Um, yeah, so so I, I think that basketball is different than football. There, there's no million-dollar J.J. McCarthy opportunities for basketball. But think about Hunter. If he wants to get paid finally and is not going to be a first-round draft pick, it may not even be a second-round draft pick, Come back, and you'll make more if he makes half a million. If he makes six hundred thousand, which may be possible through NIL, he's going to make more at Michigan finishing up his degree than he would in the NBA or the G League. Um, and then if, if that happens, the same thing could happen for Musa possibly. And you're losing Brandon Johns, but you're adding Terrace Reed, and and you go into the transfer portal. I'm a little bit worried about shooting guard. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that right now Kobe Bufkin and Harrison Barnes are 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 good enough or advanced enough right now to get you a Big Ten championship. I think shooting guard is the position we've got to upgrade. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I I, I think they'll be looking in the portal. And man, I, <laughs> I, two things. Number one, I'm terrible with names. I just learned how to say Giannis Antetokounmpo this year. I mean, all these years, <laughs> I could never say it. I couldn't say Antetokounmpo. I finally got it. All these years, he had to win the NBA title for me to figure out how to say it. So, so, but you're right. Isaiah Barnes uh, and and Kobe and watching Kobe and last night's game, you know he's going to get better physically. He He's a typical freshman in the up and down. I think where you really see it most is on the defensive end of the floor. Just not really, uh, you know, hasn't progressed as rapidly as the guys that play more than him. So that makes sense on the defensive end of the floor. I'm talking about the freshmen. Uh, and so you can sort of see last night Phil kind of talking to him and the coaches kind of the assistant Sadi and, and H kind of talking to him as well about some of the lapses on the defensive end of the floor. To your point, I think they will have to look in the portal for shooting, I mean, just pure shooting ability uh, because, I mean, Frankie Collins, that's a developing part of his game. And if Eli's definitely going to go, if if you don't get DJ back, I mean, he's giving you some semblance of shooting there, man. You you got a big hole that you got to fill. So I think we're going to see them 
lurk in the portal for some help in that regard if they can't fill it with maybe a late riser in the uh, in the recruiting class. There's the kid that decommitted from uh, from Memphis, Bachelor, uh, who is a sharpshooter mm -hmm. as well that they're kind of looking at out of IMG. So there are some some options that I think we're going to see them explore, but none bigger than can you talk your guys into coming back. I mean, that, that might be the biggest recruiting job for Jawan and company this offseason, bigger than the portal. Can you convince your guys to come back? I sort of liken it to the recruiting job that John Beeline, Bakari Alexander, uh, Jeff Meyer, Laval, you know, Laval Jordan, that they did back in 2012 when Trey is – he packs up his room, Tim. I remember he packed his room, was moved out. He had moved out of his dorm room. He was gone. And, you know, I remember B.A. meeting with him. Val was talking to him. And they convinced him to come back. It was the best recruiting job of the B-Line era, convincing Trey Burke to come back for his, his sophomore campaign. He winds up being the national player of the year, and Michigan goes to Monday night. Now, I don't know that convincing these guys to come back would have the same result, but they certainly would be a lot better off. It's something we have a shot at making a run if they can convince these guys all to come back for another ride. You know, who can recruit back is Nick Stoskis. <laughs> I saw that he saw that. had 57 last night for Grand Rapids. We need a shooting guard that can, can go off like that. Um, but but I, I, I agree. Keeping your own players has become the most important part of recruiting. Otherwise, you're just turning your roster over every year. And when I go out and, and broadcast games, uh, I had Duquesne last weekend and talked to, to Keith Dambrot, their coach. And he lost four players from last year's team. And they're combined to score 52 points per game at other schools. And they were kids that, you know, they, they were not as good academically as he wanted. And they were not as disciplined. And they were not as on board all the time. And so he said, forget it. You guys can go. I'll find somebody else. Now he misses those guys. So, you know, to have players in your program multiple years is a huge advantage. All right, so so two things with these last two games that I want to talk about before we move on. Number one, I mean, Hunter was – you mentioned it. He's 13 for 19 from the field, Tim. I mean, I, I'm looking at Tom Izzo after the game call out his, his junior and senior class for – he said, I just didn't get good leadership. Just – not, just don't have good leaders. And I, I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, if I'm a player, I'm like, well, coach, this game plan against Hunter Dickinson, I mean, it's not like he just started being effective in the second half against this one-on-one. I mean, it was really from the jump where he's having his way. And it's like really super efficient, you know, 19 shots he took and 33 points, and you don't start double teaming until – Three minutes left to go in the game. It's already decided. I wonder what you thought of that game plan because I'm like you. I think Iowa's probably going to take a different tact. And then just what did you think happened in the Illinois game? We spent most of our time talking about Michigan State. What do you think led to this explosion that Illinois unleashed on Michigan that day? Because otherwise they played – Michigan played pretty well offensively themselves. It just wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have two, point, <clears throat> two points – about the defense against Hunter. Number one, um, early in my career at Michigan, I was going up against a guy named Russell Cross. And he was way better than me. He killed me. He was stronger. He was faster. He was a better leaper. And 
Coach Frieder was all over me because I, I, I couldn't stop him. And I kept thinking, look, I, I could have told you I can't stop him. Why don't you send some help and you know, make somebody else beat this for a while? And it kind of reminds me of Juwan's first year where he was leaving Teske out there against Luca Garza. And every game, somebody was lighting Teske up. And it, it lost his confidence. And so I think it's important to help your big guys out. And I think Michigan State could have done that. Um, regarding Illinois, I just don't think it's a very good matchup for Michigan right now. Um, you know, you you asked me for a prediction last week, right, mm-hmm. on that game. And here's what I did. I, I put on my Michigan hat <laughs> as I made my predictions. And I, I just should have taken it off because after – I didn't feel good about the prediction. I, you know what? I, I knew that, that Kofi can match up and play one-on-one against Hunter. And, and so Hunter can't create for himself or anybody else. And, and then when I, I look at their guard play, Hunter and Musa and Brandon were constantly switching onto to Illinois' guards. Like you had Hunter covering Andre Corbella after a screen and roll. And Andre's really good one-on-one. He's 6'1", Hunter 7-1 um, at 20 feet. That's a mismatch. And then Musa was covering Trent Frazier. Shot fake, foul, three free throws. Like, that. that's not a good matchup either. And Brandon Johns was covering Plummer, who was going off. I just think that if Michigan plays Illinois in the, the, the Big Ten tournament, I'm not wearing my hat. I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't think Michigan is a good matchup against Illinois. Yeah, man, I it, I echo that sentiment wholeheartedly. I said on the the morning show today, as a matter of fact, it's the one team in the Big Ten that I look at and I say, man, I I don't quite know how Michigan beats them. Every other team I could look at, I it, I mean, you can see it, right? I mean, they they beaten Purdue. I can see how they'll beat. I can see them beating Wisconsin, right? Illinois, there are just so many different guys that can beat you, right? They can, yeah. and so many different ways that they can beat you. They can go off the dribble. I was wondering where they're going to have any three point shooting this year with the transfers that they they have that back this year. Yeah. So to to me, for Michigan to have a chance in that game, you, you got to have Hunter have a Purdue like outing. Like he Hunter was great against Zach Eady and Trevion Williams, right? And I thought what made him so effective was his inside-out versatility. It, it wasn't just him trying to go through them. He complemented that with his ability away from the rim, and that just wasn't present against, against Illinois. Can you make Kofi play you away from the basket? If Michigan winds up having to see them again, to me that'll be the key to the game. If he can make Kofi play, you know, 15 feet and out, I think that's the one chance Michigan has to win that contest, in my opinion. I don't. I don't even want to think about playing Illinois. Again. <laughs> Let's go on to a different topic, Sam. That I'm having a good day. I'm thinking about the Spartan game. I don't want to talk about Illinois. Well, well, so let's let's talk about let's talk about the games that are in front of them, right? Starting off first with Iowa. Michigan beat Iowa a couple of weeks ago, right? It was it was a game where Keegan Murray he had, he had his 23 points, but I want to say he took like 20 plus shots to get it. Tim, he he it wasn't a very efficient game for Keegan Murray. He also was a little he, he was a little gimpy late in the game as well. I think maybe it was he was cramping up or something like that. But since that Michigan loss, 
Iowa's been on fire. Keegan Murray's been no, no. Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's been rolling right. So they're coming in with some momentum, uh, and he's he's coming in staking his claim for Big Ten Player of the Year. I think they're going to see a different Keegan Murray this time around. There's a lot there, and and I think Wisconsin and Iowa are are my two biggest surprises uh, right now. Iowa has 21 wins, and they're an NCAA lock. They they are the highest scoring team in the Big Ten. Didn't think I would say that when they lost Luca last year. Um, they they knocked down 27 points per game from three. They make their free throws, um, and and Keegan Murray is the best scorer in the conference. I, I I do think that that for someone that's new in that role, that he might be getting a bit tired. And I do think that the length of an improved defender in Caleb Houston can make it tough. But when you um, when you look at their strengths, I think that their ball handling is fabulous. They're they're always really good in turnover margin, really good in assist turnover ratio. Um, one of the things that surprises me is they gamble a lot and they they lead the Big Ten in steals. And you would have never said that a Fran McCaffrey team would ever lead the conference and anything that has to do with defense, but that's been a pretty good strength. Um, one area that I think Michigan can hurt them a bit is that when you look at Patrick McCaffrey and Connor McCaffrey and, and Jordan Bohannon, they're all very skilled, but it's not an overly athletic squad. And, and so to have them in Michigan's building um, in, a, in a very important game, I, I just I hope that they can bring the same energy as they did last night because there's nobody on Iowa's team that can make life as tough for Hunter Dickinson as the potential for the five guys from Michigan State. Um, he's got to get the ball force fed to him, mm -hmm. and he's got to carry the troops home because be, that that's that's the matchup that Michigan has in their favor. Yeah, you remember last time it was Musa Diabate. Musa went off. He 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 was yeah. just he was a man child in that game. It'd be hard pressed to think that he's gonna give you twenty eight points again in this contest. So where are you gonna make that up? It was a very balanced scoring effort for Michigan that day. Uh, but someone is gonna have to pick up the scoring slack for what you don't get from that that twenty eight that Musa gave you. And Hunter is is the likeliest contributor. Uh, because, like you said, they ha they really have no answer for them. To me, can you can you limit their efficiency? They're the top scoring team in the Big Ten, but Michigan did an excellent job on on uh, you know basically contesting three pointers in that contest. Uh, they shot a poultry. I just pulled up the stats: twenty two percent from three point range. Iowa was in that game, and I was right about Keegan Murray. He scored 23 points, Tim, but he took 23 shots to get those 23 points. Can you make him be, you know, close to that level of inefficiency in this contest? Big, big keys. They're going to score points, but make them work hard. You know, make them be, make them have to put up a number of shots. I mean, 44% from, from the field. If you can hold them to 44%, I like Michigan's chances uh, in this contest, especially considering Iowa doesn't play defense, Tim. They they just don't. <laughs> Even if You're they right. had the bodies, they don't. They they would have a clue what to do to to try to slow Michigan down. So to me, again, can you limit them offense or efficiency wise? Meanwhile, keep up what you've been doing the last three games if you're Michigan. Yeah, and I and I think that there there are other subtle keys for 
for instance, don't leave Jordan Bohannon. He's yeah. been around forever. He doesn't miss open shots. Don't make that mistake. Just identify one guy to tag him and don't leave him. Um, and I know this may sound crazy, but one of the hidden keys is that Michigan bench 10 through 15. Mm-hmm. Chrysler Center is going to be it's going to be quiet and empty at nine o'clock on a Thursday night. Okay, I get it too. HDTV makes it a great experience sitting on your couch with a ref- you know refrigerator full of cocktails sitting right there and a sandwich if you get hungry. Like it, it's not going to be a great crowd. So Michigan's bench has to be able to generate that enthusiasm, and I think they will because. Quite frankly, I, I don't I don't want them to have to go to Ohio State trying to get a win. That's going to be really hard, especially because the Buckeyes just lost a tough one. I definitely do not want to go to the Big Ten tournament and have to knock off Rutgers or Penn State or someone like that with an NCAA bid on the line. Tomorrow night's the game. If they get it, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. If they don't, man, I, I I'm going to be – I'm going to be worried for the next five days. Yeah, man. I, I'm with you. I think they win. I, I said four and three, starting with that Iowa game. They go four and three with seven tournament teams on their res- tournament bu- resume builders on your, on your, uh, in your, in your wake uh, as you look ahead. Man, if you can get four of those, I think you punch your ticket. They did it against Iowa last time and just pulled up Keegan Murray's stats. The only time he shot under 45%. Uh, in the month of February, was against Michigan, where he shot, shot 39% in that game. Every other game, Tim, at least 40, at least uh, 46% against Iowa. Every other game, he's over 50% in the month of February. Mm. So can you make him work the way you made him work back in Iowa City a couple of weeks ago? Huge, huge, huge key uh, in this game. And, and by the way, I know I mentioned that Hunter is the likeliest guy to pick up the, the scoring slack, but I got to echo a sentiment that you offered a, a moment ago as well, talking about Caleb Houston. Look, Caleb Houston struggled in that game from shooting-wise. You might remember, it's like, man, he just looked like he had no confidence from the outside. He was 0 for 5 from three-point range. He has been a different player the last three games. So after Hunter, talking about who's going to pick up that scoring slack, Caleb is the next likeliest candidate to do so, and I, I think he will. He's at home. I think he, he has a real feel for how to, you know, how to pick his spots. You know, he's passing up contested looks and, and not settling, attacking the rim, getting better looks or getting to the free throw line, and then picking his spots from deep, waiting until he gets a good shot from deep and knocking those down. That balance, I think, has really led to some increased efficiency from him. Really like Michigan's chances against Iowa. I, I know you said that's the game, but I'm not writing them off against Ohio State, Tim. I, I mean, man, they got the benefit of every foul call known to man, uh, even though it was a home game for Michigan. I got to believe that things are going to be a little better for Michigan next time around when they face them over in, in Columbus. So we'll see how that goes. Let's, I'm saying let's get the sweep. Shame on you, Sam. Have you not been listening to Coach Phil? <laughs> Coach Phil says the next game is the most important is. game. You're already looking forward to Ohio State. Stay focused, Sam. It is. It is. Iowa first. I think they get that one. And then we'll see what the Buckeyes have in store for the maize and blue. But this was a fun one, Tim. We got a chance to look back at the Wolverines knocking down Michigan State. We think we both think if they win this next one, they're in the NCAA tournament. And then at that point, it's about 
you know, increasing seeding, both in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. That's what we will be talking about next week, the next time we come back here on the Michigan Basketball Insight. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 